You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I am your host, Doug Thorpe. It's a pleasure to be back with you again. And today, my guest is a serial entrepreneur. He has had experience in five different industries building businesses and has some great stories to share with us. So we are not going to delay. We're going to dive right in. His name is Jerry McNamara. Jerry, welcome to the show. Doug, I appreciate you having me on. This is going to be super fun. You bet. And uh, let's lead off. You've got, uh, for those of you that are going to eventually watch the video, there's a, uh, there's a tag in the, in the background in Jerry's screenshot on a mission to positively impact 5 million people in the next four years. I, I resonate with goals and challenges like that. So tell us a little more about what that's about and what you're trying to do. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as I think about it, I don't think anyone's ever shown up to work and said, you know what, I really want to suck today. And yet there are plenty of people that are ineffective in, uh, in their work. And it's really not their fault. It's, uh, it's us as leaders, senior leaders who don't create the clarity of how you win every day so that you can go home feeling good, challenges so that you're continuing to level up, um, you know, your approach in life. Um, comfortable that you have the tools, time and training to actually be successful in the role that you're doing. And as a leader, you have to care about your people. And so um, my mission is really to help senior leaders create compelling companies because compelling companies always outperform. And Doug, I think the trick of it is um, that you also make it home for dinner because success without fulfillment is the greatest ripoff in life. And I certainly have experienced that myself. Um, and so just regrounding ourselves in the conscious intention of the business that we want to create and using um, business as the tool that it is, which is to create a positive impact on the world. And that's the mission that I'm on. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I ran a similar little challenge last year. I had uh, announced in January a year ago that I wanted to try to impact 10,000 business leaders in, in the year, just the year. And all I was asking people to do was to hop over to any of my social media channels and, and leave a post or a comment that they were in. You know, I'm, I'm in with that. And it was the same premise that, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with the phrase, people join companies and quit bad bosses. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, all my HR friends have, have always spoken of that. And they've said, you know, if we can fix our managers, we won't have people problems. <laughs> it, it, it is so true. And, you know, uh, because I've always been at the top of organizations, um, you know, if I didn't like the rules, I just changed the rules. And uh, the last company that I was brought in to run, um, I love the work that I was doing. I love the impact that I was making. I just had a values misalignment with the owner who had brought me in. Not right or wrong. We just approach things very differently. Um, you know, he was always looking at the downsides of, of you know, risks that we might uh, encounter. And I'm kind of more like Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. And we figure it out along the way. And so it was the first time in my career where I was like, this is what it means to not exactly love the work that you're doing. And, um, you know, as I was speaking to my wife, she, she's very blunt with me. She said, you know, sweetheart, you are not your best husband. You are not your best father. You're not your best friend. And 
it's this whole notion that sometimes we try and split like the personal from the professional, but the reality of it is we're whole people. And so if we're not good at work, we can't be great at home. If we're not good at home, we can't be great at work. And so when you take a different view and, you know, my first value is love your people and treat them as whole people. When you take a different view of care for your people, you have the opportunity to make an impact that is um, very different than a transaction that I'm going to trade you time for money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you raise a good point about finding that alignment. If you are getting into a situation where, you know, for small businesses, maybe perhaps it is investors that are putting money in and they have a vision of where things need to go and what they need to be like. And you as a leader of that organization ought to have your own vision of where that should be going. And if there's no alignment, you've got a real problem there. And it causes that friction that can be subconscious for a while until you have the revelation that we don't have alignment here. We're we're operating at cross purposes. So what, what can we do to fix that? Yeah, I think I think the one of the most important roles of, of the senior most leader is creating clarity across the organization. And, you know, to your point, whether you call it the vision, the mission, uh, the big, fat, hairy, audacious goal, I just tell people they need to have a North Star that we are aligning towards. And so once we have alignment on, hey, here's the impact that we're going to go make. That's how I describe any of those things. Here's the impact that we're going to go make. And then we have alignment on our values, which is really the operating system. It's our agreements of how we're going to treat each other. And it's whether we go home at night. And when your spouse says to you, did you have a good day? You say, I love the people that I work with. This is so fun. This is amazing. And so the real trick is those words can't just be hollow and on the wall. Because when we don't align our actions to our vision and our values, that's when companies become soulless. And so as I say, it has to be first time every time. So when we look at our objectives, does it align with our vision? Does it match up with our values of how we're going to agree with each other? And then when we have those actions, we just create so much throughput because there's not friction. There isn't a a disassociation between your view of the world, Doug, as an investor and my view of the world as the, the CEO. We just can move further, faster together. And that just becomes way more fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and no doubt about it. And I've had a number of guests on the show who have told stories of building purpose-led businesses, not just uh, financial gain. You know, not just you know, let's go make X million dollars. They, uh, I'm thinking of one gentleman who was part of a three-man team who was in the uh, restaurant business out in California, and they built a chain of restaurants that uh you know grew to a hundred million dollars in mm-hmm. private independent chain but it was all very purposeful in what they did and every and, and the good news was when you hear his story he did have the good fortune of some incredible alignment with his two other partners mm-hmm. and and they each brought different strengths to the table so there was no territorial rub or you know it was just a nice three-wheel cog that was working together, you know, that uh, that built this thing, but it was all purpose-driven, you know, and, and their stated mission, as I recall it, was they wanted to have a, I forget the exact word, but it was a, it was a destination restaurant where families would want to come multiple times a week. So Love it that. needed to be a fair price, reasonable, um, 
uh, food quality and something that people found value in coming back and repeating on a regular basis. And that was their hallmark. Everything they did was about that. Uh, the the staff they hired, the the motivations they looked for, et cetera, et cetera. So it became a uh, a real good dynamic. And I, I want to hang on your word throughput. Let's talk about that a minute. Uh, you, you actually said it a couple of times by my count. Um, talk to us a little more about the significance of what that means in helping build a, a, a successful business. Well, I think when you really look at it, there's plenty of people that have <clears throat> great ideas and there's not a lot of people that execute on it or are accountable to it. And so, you know, as I say, accountability makes good companies great and great companies unstoppable. So when you're trying to say, well, how do we get throughput? Um, do we want to do a hundred things and move it an inch? Or do we want to do three things and move it a hundred yards down the road? And I think the best thing that I can say, just in my own experience running companies and advising companies, um, be really clear. So go back to that restaurant um, that you that you were highlighting. When you're super clear about where you're going, the strategies that you need to use to get there, they just reveal themselves. You know, when values are clear, decisions are easy. Of course, it needs to be fair priced because if it's Ruth Chris, they can't come here multiple times unless you know, they're not the normal American family. Of course, it would be friendly people. So therefore, we have to hire waiters and waitresses and, and hostesses that align with those things. That just becomes super easy and simple to run. And yet, what I have found and why people lack throughput is we chase trying to do too many things. And when you are trying to do too many things with too many people, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, Jerry. I, there's one piece of your profile that I think uh, represents a, a great topic that I'd really like to lean into. You've, you've had experience building five different companies in five pretty significantly different industries. And so the premise and, and the point of my question is the idea that, and I've long been an advocate of this, good leaders are not dependent on the technical expertise they've got. They can be inserted into a situation and create good outcomes by executing on good leadership principles. And you've already named several of them that I, you know, I'm, I'm gathering you, you have learned and embraced and, and pulled off. So let's start with talking specifically about the five different industries you've had your hands in. Yeah. So you couldn't write my career path because it wouldn't make any sense. And people would say, no, no one would do that. And I think to your point, I've never been the technical leader inside any business. In fact, you know, now that I advise high growth companies, this is about the closest one that I've actually known what the heck I'm doing um, <laughs> when I started. And so, you know, I started in retail franchising. Um, I moved to Toronto and uh, led a manufacturing firm up there, came back, started an e-commerce business, um, sold that, and then uh, ran a construction business before I went into business services. And so, you know, the thing that uh, the people say to me, and I had a friend of mine, Sean Tomberlin, um, we were sitting out and, and on my patio having a steak and 
I think I had just gotten a 40 under 40 or ultimate CEO. I don't remember. But he said to me, he said, Jerry, how have you done this? This is incredible. I'm struggling to um, be successful in, in, you know, in my company, my one company. And you've done this now in four different companies uh, at the time. And I said, Sean, good question. Uh, let me think about that. And he's the one that I, I credit with starting me on the journey of really being thoughtful about uh, my approach. But, you know, when I think about it, um, leading people is the same no matter what industry you are in. And so, yes, I've had to be a high learner. Thank goodness. You know, when I look at my strength finders, learner is my number one strength. And so you do have to do the work. You do have to have respect for the industry that you're in. And over time, I, I gained competence in all of those things. But when you look at scale and when you look at systems and process that you have to put in to support scale, those things are the same. I don't care whether it's retail franchising. I mean, we took that company from 5.9 million to 15 million in 18 months, or you know, a construction business, you couldn't get more different than that. We went from 7 million to 30 million in three and a half years. And so it's, uh, it's the nature of understanding as a leader, how do I create that fertile, predictable environment for people to thrive so they can make engaged, autonomous and agile decisions in pursuit of the company's goals, which comes back to my job as the senior leader is to create clarity across the organization. Where people get in trouble, and I'm sure you've seen this, Doug, is that the senior leader, we have clear pictures of what we want to have happen in our mind, particularly if you're working with a visionary leader. They see the world, they know exactly what they wanna have happen. The one step that they forget to do is make the words come out of their mouth so that everyone goes like, oh, Okay, so that's what Doug wants to have happen. And if we can get our leaders to, to do a better job of communicating and creating that clarity, then everyone can go do the job that they're really well suited to go do. I've uh, spoken on that topic a lot, and it starts with a phrase, and I don't even remember who introduced me to it, but the phrase is, a confused mind says no. Yes. And uh, and I, I extrapolate that to, to workforces that I've had a chance to lead, and I think about that over the years. And, and I've also evolved my own mindset from a leader's perspective about what I think about workforce. And, you know, there's, there's an occasional friction between management and employee and, and, you know, people show up with that natural bias to say, oh, you know, should I trust the boss or not? And so leaders have to start with breaking that down and, and clearing that out. But the good news is, and this is my new epiphany that I'm living with now, Love it's my it. new story and I'm going to stick with it. And that is this, to your original point, you know, people don't wake up in the morning and, and say, I want to suck at my job. They They want to show up and be able to do some good work. So as a leader, you have to tell them what a win looks like. You have to explain to them, and then you have to train and equip accordingly. And the, the problem from a leadership standpoint, if you fail to give that clarity and that training and information to help people survive, they are going to essentially do nothing. They're not going to do right. wrong things. They're going to do nothing because they don't want to do the wrong thing, but they don't know what the right thing is. So they do nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think you're so right. And, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And so, 
you know, when, when uh, confronted with those situations, people are paralyzed. And then we wonder like, well, why are they not very effective? Well, it's our job. We didn't set them up for success. And uh, I think that's one of the greatest wastes of time. And to your point, you know, when I think about leading people, am I a leader worth following? Am I a leader worth trusting? Am I doing the things that stack up? Because again, if the words are just hollow and they're on the wall, because my actions aren't supporting them and people don't believe what I'm saying is true or good or right, or in everyone's collective best interest, then you're right. They shouldn't listen to me. I haven't earned that right. And I think that's one of the things that I see, um, particularly with new leaders, instead of leaning on relationship equity as a leader, they learn, they lean on positional authority, which is the weakest type of, of leadership uh, stature that you can have. Man, you love your people and you treat them as whole people. Suddenly magic happens because it's not just a transaction. It's we are elevating each other. We are helping each other get to better ends. And Doug, sometimes that means that I know Doug wants to be a musician. And so there's things that I can do to help support you on that journey that may not particularly um, enrich the company or help the company's goals, but an engaged Doug pursuing his own goals is going to be a better employee. And so when you start to look at the world in a mindset that's not of lack, but is of abundance, and you get out of your survive brain and into your thrive brain, then what's good for Doug is good for the company. Right. And most people cannot get to that point. And I, I, I don't know if you've seen it in your career. I'm sure you have. But I have seen people who um, were very valued employees. And then they choose a different path. They choose their career interest change, whatever it may be. And you see people who loved that person. Now, suddenly, they're vilified. Well, they're not on our team anymore. They weren't right. really committed to the cause. They were, it's like, no, no, no. We celebrate those people. They did something that, that suited what their needs were and what they wanted to go do and the impact that they, I love that. We've got to celebrate those people and most people can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I had my own experience with that in my banking days. I, I was running a fairly large department for our bank, and I always had the mindset if somebody came to me and said they wanted to post out to another part of the bank, I would go, good for you. You know, That's great. Right. And I had peers in the organization that would we would talk about this, and they'd go, you're nuts. You know, what's wrong with you? Why, why do you let your good people go? And I said, it's for the greater good. That's right. You know, they if, if I've equipped them to where they're qualified to move on and advance their career, and I've got two people in particular I think about that I'm very proud of, uh, the young lady that was my uh, administrative assistant for a number of years. She went on in her career and she became a senior vice president of a bank, you Love know, it. and down the road. And it began really, I think, because uh, I shared with her, not just her administrative duties, but what our department was doing and what we were about, how we fit into the bigger picture, how we as a department made money and all of that, you know, I, I viewed as a, a big part of her development. And the other happened to be a female also, similar similar deal. She was a, she was a team leader for me, but 
she went on to much bigger and better things long after I left the banking world. And I uh, had lunch with her a couple of years ago and was, you know, really excited to hear her story of how her career had unfolded, matured. And how and, gratifying know, was that for you? Oh, it was awesome. It, it, it was very good. And, and one of the elements of that, uh, coming back to your point, is <laughs> I, I had a long-running fight with our HR department because they wanted me to keep time cards on people. And I said, no, I don't. I trust my people. Right. I've laid out the expectation. Everybody knows the score. And I don't need to keep time. If if they don't come in till nine and leave at six, I don't care, you know. And well, yeah, but we got federal labor, blah blah blah. I'm good. Well, you deal with that. That's what you right. need to do. <laughs> you know, and and it is trust is so important. And uh, you know, both of us are old enough to have watched. You know, work was always a place you went to, and now it's something that you do. It may happen at your house. It may happen at an office. It may happen at a co-working space. And so if you don't have trust inside your organization, boy, you've hired the wrong people. Right. You, you better read, you better level set, like who we've invited in on the mission because you've made a massive mistake. Oh, I know. I know. Totally. And I tell you what, Jerry, on that point, I need to take a commercial break in this show here. But when we come back, we're going to dig more into the topic of developing and nurturing trust in the environment and a couple of more great ideas. So hang with us, folks. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness, too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today my guest is Jerry McNamara. He is a serial entrepreneur. He served at the top of the house in five different companies, building five very successful companies. And uh, we left before the break. We dangled the idea of how does a leader build trust? So I want to lean into that a lot more. And I, I want to start, Jerry, with just your own sense of what it means to be able to build trust as a leader. Yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll just keep on coming back to it because it's such a guiding value of mine. Love your people and treat them as whole people. And so, um, again, am I... Am I a leader worth trusting? And you know, I I, I share a story about a guy that I worked with, and uh, you know, we really had to work hard to to help him develop and give him multiple chances to to be successful, which he did. And one day, he walked into my office, Doug. And he shut the door behind me. Uh oh, this will be interesting. Yeah. And he said, "Man, I I love you so much, and I am so grateful for you. I would take a bullet for you." Now, Doug, I'm from Philadelphia. So I sat back in my chair and I thought, I hope no one is ever coming after me with a, with a gun. But I think that's the level of trust and care that you can cultivate within your relationships. It doesn't have to be transactional. You should aim for it to be transformational. Everything that we're doing is me pouring into you so you can pour into the business and we can all be super successful. And 
you know, Tom coming in and, and sharing that story is like the hallmark of when you have trust and care inside of your building, anything is possible. And I think sometimes we, as leaders, we're, we're so concerned about our own ego and how we're going to show up as opposed to, no, how do I make sure that my people are showing up in the ways in which they want to show up and that they need to show up? Because that's how you build that trust. It's that care. And, and like, not just a feigned care, not because, oh, it's good for the business, but it's a sincere care. The, the story that you shared before the break of, you know, the two women who you invested in and they went to better places in their career. That's amazing. All right. Those are the stories that um, people are going to hang on to for the rest of their life. And, you know, I say this all the time. Um, business is just a tool to create an impact on the world which includes people, right? And yes, it needs to be profitable. I'm a capitalist through and through. But my experience is when you do great work, which means you have great people inside of your business, you know, that are clear on the problem that we solve and, you know, have the resources to go do it. All, all of these things just like take care of themselves. And we overcomplicate it instead of just trusting in people, creating the clarity, loving them, making sure they have the tools and resources and then get the heck out of the way. Yeah. You know, from, from my view and vantage point, the whole idea of building trust in your work environment is um, somewhat of an e a new event in, in a fashion. And I point the marker to the 2018 study that Google released on um, the thing that they identified for high-performing teams was this notion of psychological safety. Mm -hmm. Fancy word for trust. It, 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 it means, you know, I can show up to work, I can speak my truth, and nobody's going to condemn me. I'm not going to be judged. I'm, in fact, going to be valued for being there to share it. And when everybody feels that way, you can have a compounding effect in the productivity that everybody's bringing to the table. So it's, um, it's and I like what you're saying, as a leader, it's so important not just to talk about, hey, everybody, gather up, let's hold hands and light the campfire and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> it's not that kind of trust. It's... It's a, it's a genuine moment by moment and um, experience that your people need to be able to enjoy. I, I think you're 100% right. And, and I've been asked this question a million times. Oh, Jerry, you know, isn't love like a really soft, touchy-feely? Because, you know, you said kumbaya, and that's what made me chuckle and think about it. Doug, have you ever tried to love someone who's acting in an unlovable way? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to argue that that um, love as your primary core value, that's the hardest value to hold. Because even though you're doing this thing, I'm going to put my ego aside because ego is always the enemy. Come back to being a leader that, that creates psychological safety. But it is really hard to love people when they're acting in unlovable ways. And you have to say, hmm. Tell me more about that, Doug, because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, you know, it, it's the outputs of how you know you've connected at deeper levels with people. It's, you know, Tom walking into my office and saying, I'd take a bullet for you. It's sitting with Robin, who just got the news that she, that she had breast cancer and, and crying in the office with her. Right. And, the, and reminding ourselves that we're living with cancer. We're not dying of cancer. And so, you know, 
Robin made a recovery and, and uh, is doing great. Those are the things when you talk about psychological safety, are your actions leading up to the words that you say? Because if they do, you have a chance of building that real trust inside your organization. And when they don't, you have no shot. Right, right. And one thing that I advocate, and I actually, uh, a colleague of mine and I did our own version of study and came up with a book about trust at work. And one of the premises in our book goes back to the very fundamental when, if you think about trust from a dating perspective, you're young and you're thinking about wanting to get married and and so you go dating and what are you really doing when you go on those dates and you know it's usually a process of questioning you know what kind of music do you like what kind of food do you like where have you been where do you go where'd you go to school what what's your experience in life what are your values and it's this process of asking and answering questions that start to check off. And it, it goes back to that also old adage, uh, you know, we do business with people we know, like, and trust. Amen. Well, know, like, and trust is a progression. And you might meet somebody for the first time. You don't necessarily trust them right away. You have to get to know them. And then through some questioning, you tick off the boxes and say, all right, yeah, I think I can trust this person. But also with the questioning, I like your point, comes the idea of evidence in action. Mm -hmm. You say you believe in X, Y, and Z, but now let me see it. Do you, do you really do that moment by moment and day by day? So I, I, I love your, your angle on leaders needing to demonstrate that trust, not just talk about it. I think it's so important because um, so many times we think it's the other person or we think it's our employees and it's not them. It's us. It's how do I get back into myself? Am I, I continue to challenge myself? Am I a leader worth following? And that to me is super important as you go through all of these things, because I, I call it the leadership quicksand, right? So this is one of the things that I think about, <clears throat> you know, you have a lack of clarity. And so clarity, lack of clarity leads to confusion. Confusion leads to frustration. Frustration leads to break in relationships and a lack of trust. And then suddenly the organization isn't achieving its goals. It isn't getting that throughput. Well, it's not your people. It's you. I haven't created that, that clarity for people to go do the work that they do. And so you have to have the actions to stand up and quit saying it's them. Start saying, what's my role in this? And you'll change the dynamic of your effectiveness. Yeah, yeah. You know, that uh, prompts a thought for me. I, a lot of the small business leaders and owners that I deal with, they all will voice a level of frustration with the people on their team. Mm -hmm. I, I've actually only got one owner that I know of, and I could be wrong, but who is just wildly in love with the team. And uh, I applaud them on that um, because I think that's a, that's a great situation to work into and lead into. <clears throat> 
but um, I, I, you know, I, I do talk with owners who struggle with being able to hire the right people and place and train and, and equip their people. So they, it's, they're quick to get frustrated and just say, well, you know, they're, they're just not a good fit for me. I'm going to have to let them go and try again. I'm going to have to start over. And um, I'm like you. I, I caution them on that that there had to be something in the early going that made you think it was going to be a fit. Mm -hmm. So have you carried that all the way through? Have you been able to make that come to fruition? And I like your thinking and I happen to agree it, it, it it's on the leader to make that happen. Amen. I, and I mean, I would point back to, um, your hiring process. So if, if this person truly isn't a fit, whether it's a values misalignment or a performance issue, and almost always we hire for people's performance, what their, their past record is, and we fire for values misalignment. That person isn't the type of person that we want inside the organization. And so, the, you know, I always send back to people, you know, especially when CEOs say like, oh, this person, Hey, just remember, you invited them on the journey. And so it's your responsibility first as a high integrity person to communicate your way through that, be really clear on the expectations, reset the expectations, make sure they have the tools, time, and training to be successful. And if it's still not there, then we have to look and say, how did we miss during our hiring process? Um, it, is that set up to create that predictable result where we bring someone in? I think uh, there was a study by uh, DDI, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, and they surveyed CEOs, to your point. CEOs only trust 48% of their senior leaders to deliver on the objectives of the company. And the, the scary part for me is I've asked my CEOs, well, how many of your senior leaders do you trust? And it's about that, right? And what I say to them is, why are you letting that happen? What are you doing about it? Because that would scare the heck out of me to have people inside my organization that I don't believe can achieve the, the company's objectives and I'm not doing anything about it. I, I'm just, that that confounds me uh, like crazy. I agree. And I'm reminded of a joke. I've actually used it as an <clears throat> entry line in one of my books that, uh, CEO was getting interviewed and the interviewer said, how many people work for you? And the CEO said about half of them. <laughs> True. Touche. And, uh, but you know, and I, I do, I'm one of those guys that tends to come back to the whole mindset issue. When I hear company owners, leaders, or executives lamenting, issues with staff quality and staff performance, um, I, I do, I, I challenge on the mindset. And you know, it, it, it's the fundamental question, are you really sure about that? Have you really looked at that from all angles? And I, yeah, I, I, I agree. One of the things that I say to, say to people, when I look at <clears throat> high achievers and the highest achievers, the highest achievers, it's not that bad things don't happen. They don't have obstacles to overcome. It's their ability to get back to center and to maintain a positive, accountable mindset where they just continue to get back and, and execute. So what now what is, is the thinking? 
And so I, I just, I believe so much in, in mindset. I'm, I'm totally aligned. In fact, I, when I wrote my 2023, what, what to think about, um, protecting your mindset is near the top of the list coming through COVID, um, and, you know, coming through some economic uncertainty now, you know, we have to be really bulletproof in our mindset. Otherwise, you're in for a rough ride. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We, we have so much going on and the, you know, leaders first job is to lead themselves. And yes. part of that is, uh, is at constant, I use the word recalibration and I encourage my clients to periodically find the time to find a quiet space where you can do a deep dive evaluation of what has happened in the recent past, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. and and recheck your your core values, your objectives, your principles, and see if you've begun to deviate. And if if circumstances have indicated to you an opportunity opportunity for learning and development. Mm -hmm. What is that? What yeah. what is that, and and what do you need to do to uh, fulfill that? Uh, so I think it's a it's a very uh, it's a lifelong journey to be an effective leader. Uh, I'm with you. There there is no stopping on the railroad tracks. Um, right. You know, got, you got to keep moving forward. And I think part of that <clears throat> is a curiosity, like, hmm, that's interesting. Let me learn about that. Doug, how did you do this when you were in this same situation? And I think if you stay curious instead of, again, ego's the enemy, I have it figured out. I know better. Well, those aren't the most effective leaders that I've found over the course of my life. It's the ones that keep on asking questions and continuing to, to move forward. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently is Companies can grow exponentially, right? We can go straight up the, the, uh, the y-axis. And yet, as leaders, we grow in a linear path, right? Because we can only read one book. We can only have so many experiences. And so how do you, quote, unquote, level up? I think you have to be in situations where you are around people that have more experience than you, whether it's going to a conference or having conversations like this or being inside of a, uh, a mastermind group, it gives you those things to shortcut the learning so that you can level up and then continue your own trajectory. And if you don't do those things, it's why people say like, oh, they were great at 10 million, but at 25 million, they're just not getting it done. What happened? And it's their skills didn't continue to um, to grow. And, you know, I, I, I say this all the time, this thing right here, you know, I'm in year two. So that's why it's 5 million in the next four years. Cause I already have one year down, but my skills don't match my ambition yet. I'm not in a position to positively impact 5 million people. I will, I've worked pretty hard in my life, but I am working harder now than I ever have so that I can go do this thing that I want to go do. And I think people need to be in that mindset of continuous growth, continuous learning, and being humble and hungry as we grow as leaders. Yeah, a, a great point. And that whole conundrum between 
potential exponential growth companies and the leaders. I run into this a lot with the small business leaders, and I, I've actually uh, got a program I do with my clients. And a lot of it is based in my own observation as a banker, watching uh, entrepreneurs who grew successful businesses. I actually call it the paradox of success. The, uh, to your point, the fulfillment of reaching 10 million, but then rocketing to 25 million. The if the founder doesn't grow with that business, they're going to hit a wall, and they might be the actual. Uh, cause of the business to fail in the long run and it, it has to do with uh, ego gets to be a big part of it the and and sometimes it's not even what i'll call intentional ego it's it's sort of accidental ego it's like i don't have to do that i, I don't believe i have to do that and and you know the truth is yeah you do you if if for instance if you if you're the founder and you want to call yourself president and CEO, wonderful. But at some point, you probably need a COO on your bench, on a leadership team to help drive the business. And if you're too narrow-minded to think you need that and maybe don't want to release the purse strings enough to hire one, um, you know, the company's going to suffer because of it. You can only be in so many places at the same time. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and when, at least my experience, I'd love yours too. You know, the CEO fulfills three seats simultaneously, especially as they're growing the business, the CEO role, the COO role, and the CFO role. And, um, you know, looking and seeing typically, you know, a, a founder is a visionary because they see something that no one else has seen yet. Um, sometimes they're technical founders, but um, giving up those other seats will put you in situations of growth. I, I think about, you know, the construction business that I ran and, you know, the best COO that I have ever come encounter with uh, happened to join us. Um, I wish I had brought him in a year earlier, Doug, because, you know, we went from 7 million to 30 million and people were like, that's amazing. And you made the Inc. 500, all of those things. Great. You know what? I lay my head down on the pillow and wonder if I had brought Zach Mitchell in earlier, could I have gotten to 50 million? Right. And I think those are, those are the things. So that that's what keeps me up at night. Right. And so there's never a bad time to bring in the right resources to help your company grow and to alleviate the stress because, you know, again, the purpose of business it creates finances, but really as the owner finances create freedom for fulfillment. So, what are you going to do with this capital that you've accrued? And, you know, my mom passed away in, in August, 2020. And, you know, before she passed away, she looked at me and she, she whispered in, she said, son, you know, you can't take it with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you're right, mom, you're right. And so you better be enjoying the ride. And so when I look at some of, um, you know, CEOs who don't want to unlock their uh, wallet to pay someone a fair salary for a, CEO or a CFO role or a COO role, I just asked them, if you paid someone 150 or 200 grand, is that changing your life? Is that truly changing your life? But the stress, the time freedom, all of those things that come along with it and your ability to grow, what does that look like for you? And sometimes, you know, we we only focus in on one side of the equation instead of the other. And 
I, I have stopped fighting with my CEOs who will only look at the one downside. I won't say like, oh yeah, but what about this? I just say, okay, great. If that's a possibility, then we also have to examine all of the upside of this so that we understand the absolute area that we could end up in. Now let's consider where we're actually going to end up because right. sometimes we're, we're so risk averse, right? That survive mind that we're waiting for the tiger to come around the corner and eat us that we're only looking at this one side of the, the equation. And the reality of it is, it's not just always going to be downside for you. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you what, Jerry, It's uh, this has been great. And uh, unfortunately, it's time to wrap this up and put a bow <laughs> on it. So um, tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more. Yeah. So um, first of all, thanks for having me. You are an excellent interviewer. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Well, appreciate um, it. Absolutely. So um, we are pretty active over on LinkedIn. So you can find me there, Jerry McNamara. And uh, the other great place to find me is at provenchaos.com. Um, and you can learn about everything that we do there. Wonderful. Well, folks, as always, we'll have those uh, links and information in our show notes. So uh, uh, drop down, take a look at that, and you'll be able to uh, grab Jerry's info and, and stay in touch. But uh, one last time, Jerry, thank you so much for sitting in with us. Doug, I really appreciate the opportunity. Again, I, I do a number of uh, podcasts. You are uh, definitely near the top of uh, people who do it really well. So thank well, you uh, for this. I appreciate that. I really yeah. appreciate that. I, uh, uh, it's, it's a pleasure and it is a labor of love. I, um, I really think it's important for people who have built or in the process of building a company or taking a seat of authority, you know, people as people in the bigger business world, as people get promoted, they're thrust into those seats of authority. And you made the point, which I totally agree with, the uh, power of the position is the weakest and last alternative of what a manager needs to be able to do. And real leaders never rely on that. They, they never, ever turn to that. They find many other ways to inspire and motivate the people that work for them. So, um, I'm glad we got to touch on that principle as well. <laughs> but uh, folks, we, we packed a ton of information in here and I, I wanna encourage you, I, I don't always do this with my shows, but I think this is one is, is worth rewinding and getting out your pad and paper and taking some notes. Jerry's got some great insights and has brought up some powerful, powerful principles that uh, we all need to embrace. And uh, uh, I thank you for listening in. I appreciate you as a listener who takes your time and your busy day to dial in and, and follow us. So uh, we'll have more coming at you soon. So stay tuned and hang in for now. We're going to say goodbye. Have a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.